Fired up, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the season isn't over. The 49ers' playoff hopes are dead, of course, but they still have something to play for. And in case anybody doubted that, Saturday's win over the Cardinals, who are still in playoff contention, a 20-12 to win over the Cardinals that probably should have been by a larger margin of victory because the 49ers missed three kicks, was very impressive. And there was you know, a lot of emotion in this win because it was C.J. Beathard's day. First start for him in 790 days, and he had only won once in a 49ers uniform before as the starter. That was Kyle Shanahan's first win in 2017. C.J. gets it done for the 49ers, obviously with the help of an awesome defense. We'll talk about all that. But this was a game where you know you had so much talk about tanking and the 49ers should just pack it in lose on purpose and they didn't do that and they seemed to rally around cj bethard whose whose brother was killed on this week last year and this was his first start since then and since 790 days ago so credit to the 49ers credit to cj bethard for getting it done and it shows that wins in sports can mean more than just you know something that's going for a championship or draft implications this shows the human side and i thought that that was on display for the 49ers in arizona yeah it was truly a beautiful story really in a lot of ways and and um, you know we were talking about this in the run-up to the game i think we all just hoped that C.J. Beathard would get this win. He'd only had one win as a starter, that uh, that famous game against the Giants where Marquise Goodwin had his own emotionally wrenching day back in 2018. So this was just a, a wonderful outing for him. I mean, he, he wasn't spectacular by any means. He had 182 passing yards. To put that in perspective, Jeff Wilson had 183 yards on the ground. So that tells you what the 49ers were dedicated to as far as his offense in that game. But uh, he did something that, that Nick Mullins didn't. I mean, he was, he took care of the ball. There was one bad pass that could have gotten intercepted by, uh, I think it was Jordan Hicks in the flat just before the half. And then Mike McGlinchey got beaten by uh, Hassan Reddick off the edge, and Reddick went crashing into Beathard, and he, he lost the ball on a fumble, but it wasn't disastrous for the 49ers, and, and they actually won the, the turnover battle 2-1, to one, which is rare for this team. So, you know, we've been talking about that. The 49ers' defense has been so good, you just need a quarterback who can manage the game, and that's exactly what C.J. Beathard did. Some nifty passes at the goal line, great play calls, great play action, to uh, Kyle Juszczyk, but he did everything that a backup quarterback should, which I, I guess, Dennis, raises the question, why hasn't he been in the game <laughs> before this week? But that's all water under the bridge by now, but I think we can all agree it was a uh, very nice outing by him. Yeah, and as a 49er fan, that's what frustrates me. And, you know, the word was that C.J. Beathard just didn't look good in practice. He, he wasn't making the throws. He wasn't seeing the field. All that stuff. And, you know, Nick Mullins was the guy that was so, you know, focused in on the offense. He could see it. He understood it and all that. But Nick Mullins was a turnover machine. And that was the one thing in this game against the Cardinals you didn't see. You didn't see the turnovers on offense. You didn't see the pick six. You didn't see the offense giving points to the opponent. And you saw a defense. Basically, they've come out, this defense has come out in the last three weeks, and they've played really good defense. And you saw it again against the Cardinals. And then you saw an offense that was efficient and and a quarterback that took care of the ball. And I think that was the big difference right there. I mean, you had a running game. Jeff Wilson Jr., 
where's this guy been? I mean, I know he's been injured throughout the season, but I think it was 180 yards rushing, over 200 yards and all-purpose yards. Had a fantastic game, but an off-the-play action. And then you saw Kyle Shanahan get a little creative. You saw Juszczyk in that, I think it was a fourth and one to kind of do that fullback power where he kind of went in motion and got under the center and, and got a direct snap and gets the first down. You saw a little creativity. You saw a reverse. So it looked like a 49ers team that can compete. It looked like a 49ers team that could have won, you know, maybe another two or three games throughout the season. So I was surprised. I was surprised that the team was able to rally around CJ Beathard. I, I know he's been through a lot. I couldn't imagine trying to to play in the NFL with with the burden he had with his brother in that situation. And it seems like he was the better quarterback. And why was his cat the third quarterback in the room when he looked really efficient and he was he managed the game really well. So I didn't think 49ers could pull out this win, but they did. And I was surprised and impressed. I will play devil's advocate just to, to defend Kyle Shanahan. At the end of the first half, Bethard threw a ball that I thought very easily could have turned into a pick six with, uh, I think, Jordan Hicks, the Arizona linebacker. But that just shows you the margins in the NFL are so narrow. If Jordan Hicks hangs on to a really bad pass that was behind, I believe, I think he was throwing to Kyle Juszczyk, but uh, I might be wrong. McKinnon. It was McKinnon. Yeah, it was McKinnon in the flat. Hicks catches that ball. Even if he doesn't take it back all the way, if he sets up a field goal for Arizona, you know, those are the differences in these games. That's why the 49ers lost against Washington. That's why they lost against Dallas because Nick Mullins was turning the ball over. C.J. Beathard avoided that. I don't even count the fumble on the very next play as a consequential turnover because it happened so late in the half and Arizona wasn't able to do anything with it. But if that interception actually happens and Arizona runs it back and gets points, boom, right there, you have the same kind of dynamic that we saw or you possibly have it that we saw the last couple of weeks, a good defensive performance wasted. So the margin is really narrow. And I think, you know, just to explain Kyle Shanahan's thought process here, you guys can dunk on me, disagree with me. This was raging on Twitter last night, obviously, because QB is always in the spotlight. But I think Kyle Shanahan is just trying to look at the big picture. And in the big picture, he had already seen 10 games of C.J. Beathard. The 49ers were 1-9. and nine. He hurt his wrist in 2018 at Arizona. So he goes to Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins wins a game against the Raiders, takes care of the ball, and then wins two more games that year against Denver and then against Seattle. So Nick Mullins usurps C.J. Beathard from third quarterback to second quarterback on the depth chart for the 49ers. Then Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy for all of 2019, so it was a moot point. 2020 starts, Nick Mullins is still QB2 because he passed C.J. Beathard back in 2018. Now, where I think a move might have made sense is after that Washington game. I think after that Washington game, you know, some people are even saying late in the Washington game, down the stretch maybe, but I think that Shanahan might have pulled it a game too late. I think after you lose to Washington, why not try out C.J. Beathard against Dallas? And that probably cost them, you know, another game because all they had to do was play clean football but in his defense he had already seen cj bethard himself be a turnover machine in 10 games so i think that you're just rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic at this point you know great story great win for cj bethard you're pulling for him as a human but in the larger football picture for the 49ers they need a first a true first string quarterback they can't just be you know arguing between two backups because in the larger picture i think the numbers tell us that's going to be a losing team once you get a larger sample size for either of these two guys yeah and i think shanahan just wanted to avoid ping-ponging, you know, between these guys as the season ended. That could get pretty insipid. And he probably was uh, a game late. And this was not a, a Dan Fouts performance by C.J. Beathard. He was 13 of 22, like I said, 182 yards, and he was sacked three times. And 
the sacks were, you know, C.J. Beathard-like sacks, where he seems to be bracing for the sack before he needs to. I'm sure that you get better with experience with that and, and not having started a game since 2018. He probably needed to kind of get into the swing of things a bit, and he was better towards the end of the game than he was at the beginning of the game. He was good because they had a tremendous rushing attack. George Kittle was back. He only played 28 snaps, but you could just feel the, the energy that he brought to that team, and in particular to the the rushing attack. They were able to get to the outside, something that had been off-limits to them in recent weeks, even with Raheem Mostert. And without Raheem, the fastest running back on the team, they were still able to gouge the Cardinals for big chunks, mostly to the right side. I thought Daniel Brunskill was really good. I thought McGlinchey was good as a blocker. When he was in there, Kittle was good. And then Juszczyk, I don't know where this game lines up in the pantheon of Kyle Juszczyk games. We were talking about Juszczyk's value as a free agent in our last podcast. Well, this game, he did just about everything. A little sneak that Dennis was talking about the touchdowns and he was really good as a lead blocker so if you're running the way the 49ers did and you're playing defense the way the 49ers did just about anybody can line up at quarterback just don't throw any picks and you're probably going to cruise to a victory and that's essentially what the 49ers did on Saturday I've already mentioned Jeff Wilson Jr. but you think about it you know this 49ers team they win when they run the ball 30 plus time and that's something they've kind of got away from and I don't know if that's because you're playing from behind playing catch-up football but Kyle Shanahan it really feels like at some points in some of these losses that he just kind of got past happy and you have a quarterback they can't make a lot of the throws so it makes it hard to win football games but against the Cardinals they ran up and down on the Cardinals and you're, and you're right I think it's it's George Kittle he adds so much to the run game especially on the perimeter I saw one play where he went in motion and it was one of these stretch plays and he just depleted I don't know if it was a defensive end or an outside linebacker but he flipped this cat and that's the attitude that he brings I think to the team and his two catches that first one I think wasn't anything special but the way he gets the yards after the catch he catches the ball and he cuts back inside to the field and he and he gets the first down and you know that's that energy level that he brings to this offense and in the run game he's just such a good blocker you know Ross Dwelly is getting better but he's not a George Kittle and the way he plays he plays just like an undersized if he's on the line of scrimmage he's basically an undersized tackle and he's so physical but yeah I mean CJ you know he did exactly what he was supposed to do he managed the football game he didn't throw any picks again that was the key to the football game is winning the turnover game and this is the first week I think the 49ers have actually won the turnover game so that was the key to the football game the offensive line you know you talked about it Matt I mean they did a fantastic job there's a few breakdowns but that's going to happen CJ when he got sacked early in the game I was thinking oh boy here we go he held the ball too long but you know overcame that and and the offensive line played well you know other than the special teams and Robbie Gold. It was a pretty complete football game. So again, I'm going to say it. I was impressed. They impressed me. Well, here's the thing about the 49ers offensive line. I had never seen a bigger disparity than the grades for Mike McGlinchey for PFF. They had three guys, to your point, Dennis, grade over 90 for the run blocking yesterday, which over 90 is all pro level blocking and you rarely see more than one you rarely see one on your line have a grade that high they had three they had Trent Williams Lake and Tomlinson and Mike McGlinchey score over 90 I think McGlinchey was like 93.4 something like that guess what McGlinchey's pass blocking grade yesterday was it was a 39.4 I've never seen a bigger difference between run and pass block we've been talking about that all year right I don't think we've been talking about a 60 point difference but that illustrates what Shanahan what Bethard what the 49ers are dealing with along the line outside of Trent Williams they've got a lot of guys who could really road grade who can move who can do a great job run blocking but pass blocking especially for McGlinchey as a 
of late here um, has become a real struggle. He had a couple more plays that looked really bad on film, and that grade is reflective of the whole performance. So it wasn't just a couple times that he looked bad. It was just tough in pass blocking. But what did the 49ers do? They avoided the pass blocking, right? They avoided the straight dropbacks because they put their line in position to do what they do best, and that's average or lead a running attempt, a running operation that's averaging 7.7 yards or 7.8 yards per carry. So you're playing on your terms if you're the 49ers, if you're doing that. And then when they did pass, they made sure that they concealed it with play action. That make usually makes the line look a lot better if it's called at the right time. And in the few times where the line did break down, hey, you know, it did cause that fumble from C.J. Beathard. There were three sacks. Maybe he could have gotten rid of it a little bit earlier. But as Matt said, as Dennis said, he did not make that fatal mistake. So the line pass blocking deficiencies were not compounded by a poor decision from the quarterback. And that's the key because that allowed the 49ers to stay on schedule and keep on running. And when they run, that line can be awesome. We saw it in the NFC Championship game. That was, what, 6.7 yards per carry? Well, Matt, yesterday at 7.7 or 7.8, that was a recreation of that whole dynamic. They really just beat the Cardinals down into submission. Yeah, the Cardinals weren't a very good run defense team heading into the game. I think they were allowing 126.5 something around there, which is not very good. <laughs> they allowed uh, basically double that against the, the 49ers. And, and, and you saw what the 49ers see themselves as a tight end, fullback, running back oriented team with receivers who can, you know, catch and run. But the receivers really only had a, a bit role in this game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had one carry and one reception. Kendrick Bourne had one reception. Richie James started the game. He was targeted once, had a drop, and that's it. I mean, that's the whole day from the wide receiver core. And I don't think, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan regrets that. People were, you know, going back to the playoffs, criticizing the, the play calling, saying it reflected poorly on Jimmy Garoppolo. Why didn't you let Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball more? Well, why Why would you when, when you're just, you know, running down another team's throat like that? So I think that Kyle Shanahan loves it when it gets to that point, and you can do so much. I mean, look at those touchdowns by Kyle Juszczyk. They're both uh, near the goal line. He's lined up in the backfield. If you're a defensive player, you think, oh, okay, the fullback's back there. Of course they're going to run the ball. They've been running the ball down our throats. And then when the ball snapped, everybody takes a, a step forward, and then, whoa, Kyle Juszczyk just goes right by you. I mean, that's what the whole offense kind of hinges on. And you saw that to a T on Saturday against the Cardinals. That's what the Cal Shanahan offense is about, keeping a defense on their heels and not really knowing what's coming at you. And that's what he's kind of gotten away from. And I think with Mullins, you didn't have the opportunity to kind of do these because you're playing catch up most of the time. And then you had a quarterback that couldn't make a lot of these throws. But the run game, this whole offense is set up on a good run game in the play action. And I think once Kyle Shanahan gets to the point where he can open up the playbook and he can really get creative, that's what I like to see. And that's what I saw all last season. When you really... You really didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know on offense, it was so many misdirection things. There was so many different lineups, different you know people in the slot and people going in orbit motion and reverse. There's so much stuff going on. You didn't know what to expect and it was fun to kind of watch. And that's what I saw against the Cardinals. You know, offensive series was just like, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be a jet sweep? Is it going to be a, some type of a screenplay? Or, and then you see Kyle Juszczyk just twice. He did it twice. And CJ put the ball on the money. So when this offense has got a running game, 
I think Kyle Shanahan kind of gets a little more creative, not so conservative, and he opens up his playbook. And you see some points on the board, and you see some exciting football. Well, I think we're going to see some more exciting football in Week 17. I know that prior to this Arizona game, we had already really checked out and started saying, hey, why don't we just focus on the offseason, which we're still doing. The 49ers are obviously still technically eliminated. That win doesn't change any part of that mathematical equation. But I think we got a great look into the attitude and this morale, the spirit of the 49ers locker room with that win when they came out and they showed more fight than a team that was still in the thick of playoff contention might have even knocked the Cardinals out we'll see what happens uh moving forward but but Arizona needs help now to to get into the playoffs so given that given the fact that the 49ers uh you know did treat that game so seriously did have so much fun and really going in there and and kicking the Cardinals rear ends it sets up a, a really intriguing week 17 matchup between the 49ers and Seattle. I think that you're going to see the same type of effort from the 49ers. I think that maybe they misplaced the whole revenge tour thing to the start of this season. Now, so much has happened to them this season. They could legitimately be trying to seek revenge, trying to atone for the poor year. And that was a theme for me uh, coming from the team during the press conferences after the game. And I think that's going to be a theme for the team in week 17 against Seattle. I think they're not making the playoffs this year. This is their Super Bowl. I think they're going to treat this game as a win at all costs kind of game with all the guys that they do have available to play. And I think we're going to see some spirited football in week 17. And, you know, as a fan, I think that's all you can ask for is good competition. Go out there and watch two rivals play. And even if the 49ers aren't playing any further uh, into the playoffs, any further into January, at least see them give the Seahawks their best shot. And that might not have been to expect it before this performance in week 16. But uh, leaving this game against Arizona, I think that we can expect week 17 to, to be a spirited affair. Yeah, I think some planets are aligning here. You've got a, a nothing to lose attitude going on. You've got a lot of guys who are still playing for something important. A lot of guys are, are pending free agents, so they're putting really good tape out there. And that was a theme Saturday, too. I mean, from Kwan Williams to Akella Witherspoon to DJ Jones, Kerry Hyder, all those guys are free agents. All of those guys, you know, perhaps not coincidentally, had uh, had really nice games. And, and you're also seeing some young guys get valuable playing time. Darian Daniels you know, had to play a lot of snaps. Uh, Jordan Willis had to play a lot of snaps. Neither of those guys really stood out. But the fact that they're getting snaps, quality number of snaps late in December, that all bodes very well for them for the 49ers' depth next season. I mean, we, we saw this happen uh, with Kevin Givens, for example. Kevin Gibbons got into uh, last year's game in Seattle. That was a a pressure-packed game, a huge game, really, for all the marbles, at least for the the number one seed in the playoff. Played a lot in that game and then sort of was able to kind of parlay that into the offseason and into a good season that he's had. So all these things are happening now. No, the 49ers are not going to make the playoffs. They've been out for a week, but there are quite a few valuable things to be gained, especially for these guys. You know, Jeff Wilson is another example of that. Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk is too. These are all free agents. So they're putting some really good tape out there right at a good time for them. And the attitude's got to be, you know, we're not going to go into the playoffs. And if we can stop you from going to the playoffs, that's even better. And especially when you're talking about divisional games. And that's a way guys kind of motivate themselves. And, and I shouldn't say that because I've never really experienced that because I went to the playoffs pretty much every season here. But I mean, that sounds like a good attitude. The spoiler. I mean, you hear about it. You know, you go into Seattle and 
you know, Seattle can clinch the division or whatever it is. I mean, it's fun to kind of play the spoiler and that can motivate you. But the biggest motivator is, is the money. The contract and you look at this game against the Cardinals I'm looking at the defense it, it was kind of like the the story of the backups you know a lot of these guys who got playing time against the Cardinals were guys looking for contracts so in the NFL your resume is, is your game tape and you have to be thinking I got to put out some good game tape because moving forward someone's going to watch it and it's an opportunity for me to get a job it sounds kind of weird but that's what it's about you're in the nfl and you're always looking to build your resume you're always looking for another team to see you and hopefully sign you to a decent contract i'm looking forward to a, another good game against another division rival in, in the seahawks it won't be as as important as it was you know last season or the season before but Still, it's going to be good because it's a divisional game. It's the Seahawks. Talk about the players and, and the money motivation. And from the 49ers' perspective, more information is always welcome, right? Because you have so many cap questions, free agent questions coming up. You want to collect as much data as possible to build a team as efficiently as you can here in this 2021 offseason. So I think the secondary is the area of the team that's the most wide open as far as uh, you know, lack of guys under contract beyond this year. And boy, so much is coming at us now in terms of data and information. You start with Jason Verrett, who has stayed healthy this year, who's played excellent football for the 49ers this year. The advanced metrics have him as about the number 10 cornerback in the NFL, which is borderline miraculous considering the fact that he's missed three, what, three full seasons about due to different injuries before this. And now he's definitely a guy that is going to be in line for some bigger money and the 49ers are going to have to decide if he's going to be part of that whole equation where they have limited money to spend and then you know you have somebody like Akello Witherspoon who has a much shorter highlight reel but it's still a really impressive highlight reel from the past two games I mean these two games we've seen Akello Witherspoon put more physical play on tape than he did in 3.9 years for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan literally said we started believing in him again because of the work ethic that he put in in the weight room. So apparently Akella Witherspoon has started taking things extra seriously, and that's paying off. Will he be a guy that the 49ers can keep for you know a discount because it, he, it seems that he's cramming right now before the final exam here at the very end? He hasn't he doesn't have that league recognition yet. I think maybe only the 49ers will have seen it because there aren't enough games. But again, a guy like Kwan Williams leading the league in slot coverage this year. When you look at the advanced efficiency metrics, amazing blitzer. To me, you know, when you listen to Akella Witherspoon talk about him, Matt, that's a guy that probably should be high up on the priority list for the 49ers because the other defensive backs say that he makes the game slower for them because of how effective he is both covering the slot and blitzing. His presence makes the offense panic just a little bit and it makes everything easy in the place for the rest of the guys. And I think the 49ers need to be focused on domino effect signings when they're spending their money this off season. There's a limited amount of it. So spend it on the guys who make other players better. And we have other 49ers defensive backs saying that K1 Williams makes them better. Yeah. Everybody loves K1 Williams. I mean, to a person, people just kind of light up when they're asked about K1, and, and, and you saw that, not just the coverage, not just the blitzing, but there were some goal line plays where he was on the field, and um, they were stopping Kenyon Drake, um, you know, after no gain or after a short gain, and, and the, you know, the, the pile starts to unfurl, and of course you see Fred Warner in there, and you see a defensive lineman. <laughs> the guy at the bottom of the pile was the smallest defender on the field, and, and that's K1 Williams. I mean, he's really got... 
um, just a really courageous attitude, and that may result in him getting banged up. I mean, he can't be any more than 180, 185 pounds. He's very small for the NFL, but he's he's in there. He plays the position like a linebacker. He's going to be tricky to resign. Not tricky, but he's going to have value in free agency. Jason Verrett, I mean, what do you pay a guy? What do you offer a guy who's been as injured as he's been and who also has played as well as he did? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has devoured this team in the past. Once when he was with the Texans and then, of course, in, in week one. And then we all remember that, that Hale Murray pass against the Bills where he just snatches the ball from three defenders in the end zone. Well, he had a chance to snatch a, a touchdown in Saturday's game and Jason Verrett stuck his hand in there and poked it out. Jason Verrett was the DeAndre Hopkins answer in this game. He was mostly lined up against him the whole contest, and I think he had 48 yards, which is fine, but it wasn't a DeAndre Hopkins type of game that he's used to having. And and the list goes on and on. You mentioned Akella Witherspoon. What do you pay him? What do you pay Richard Sherman, you know, a a Hall of Fame guy who has had two calf injuries this year? So... (laughs) It's a, it's a puzzle. Um, it's a lot of kind of looking into a crystal ball and trying to predict the future, but it's a real issue. And we've been talking about this since the season began, Dennis, and that cornerback question isn't any easier to answer by the end. You know the guys that they'd love to bring back, but those guys are also going to be the types of players that other teams are going to want to sign this offseason. Makes it very complicated. Yeah, and let's not forget that. Robert Sala, it looks like he's going to be a head coach somewhere. Right. And he's going to look at some of these guys. You know, Akello, I don't know what happened with him, but these last two games, I mean, he played a couple of plays against the Cardinals. He looked like a pro bowler. He was able to track the ball high. You get his hands up, breaking down passes. That interception in end zone was fantastic, even though the play before he got sucked in on, on that run play with Kyler Murray. But that's happened to a lot of teams. But he's been playing at a, at a high level. So he's built his resume. I don't think Richard Sherman's going to be back next season. And these other guys, I mean, Jaquaski Tart, he's not under contract into this football season. So Salah's going to be kind of cherry picking some of these guys too, as he tries to build his defense wherever he goes. And my question is, who would you rather have, a K1 or, or Jason Verrett? Because someone's going to not be with this team and you can't sign all these free agents. You have to pay a linebacker. You got an offensive tackle. You probably have to pay. Some of these guys just won't be here. Who is the most important? That slot corner or that shutdown corner? Well, I'll tell you what. There was a step in a really positive direction for the 49ers when Tarvarius Moore went out and played an excellent game. Now, he's been up and down. He's got so many special physical tools. I mean, this this guy can run 4-3, and he can hit, too. You saw that against Christian Kirk to break up that potential touchdown early in the game, but he misses tackles too. He's prone to take some bad angles. Yesterday, I didn't see any bad angles from Tarverius Moore. In fact, I only saw excellent angles from him and Marcel Harris. But how about that one tackle against Kyler Murray in the open field from Marcel Harris? I mean, I thought there was significant progress from the safety position for the 49ers. And what does that mean? Well, that means that Jaquaski Tart might be expendable. And that's one expense that you don't have to put on the list if you can have a guy like Tarverius Moore or even Marcel Harris 
Harris rotate around, play in that strong safety position. So I don't know if the 49ers are going to be that confident in that solution, but that's why you want to play these games as hard as possible because you get more and more data on guys like Moore and Harris playing, and then you can head into the offseason knowing, hey, strong safety is not on the shopping list for free agency. We can narrow it down to what Dennis was talking about. We can narrow it down to nickel back corner. And, you know, personally, I think they're going to want at least one outside corner. And I think they do want to keep Kwan Williams. I think they're going to want to spend on that back end. But want is not the same as able, right? I mean, the ability might not be there if the money is short. Again, we've seen this team focus so much on pass rush in the past to try to disguise what's happening on the back end. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how they divvy up that share of expenditures this offseason. Just final thoughts here before we uh, sign this off. As far as future facing 49ers plans, did anything, you know, like Tarvarius Moore, Kwan Williams, what, what jumped out at you most from the win in Arizona? I'll uh, continue on that theme. I, th- I think the 49ers would love not to have to deal with safety. Remember, that, that has not been a position that they've spent a lot of time with. And they have so many other things on their plate uh, for the offseason that uh, I thought that Saturday's game was a, a reassuring game for them, that they can get through a season with Jimmy Ward as you know the veteran in that safety group. And Tarvarius Moore and, and Marcel Harris. Tarvarius Moore has been good. His one weakness has been when he moves forward, when he's approaching the line of scrimmage. He doesn't break down well, he doesn't take the right angles. And Saturday's game, he looked like, I don't want to say the second coming of Ronnie Lott, but they were they were doing some great tackling. And it wasn't just Tarvarius Moore. Dennis mentioned Akella Witherspoon, his tackling. Everybody tackled really well, really efficiently. That reflects very well on Robert Sala, I think. I mean, at this stage in the season, to be tackling like that, I mean, tackling has become a lost art. You don't see it being done very well in college. You don't see it ver- being done very well in the NFL. And the 49ers were great at it. Drake Greenlaw, always an excellent tackler. Fred Warner, the same thing. So I thought that uh, as far as uh, Robert Sala's candidacy for a head coaching job, that was very good. But as Dennis noted, you want to have your guys recognized. But if Robert Sala gets hired by another team, it's not just Robert Sala who's leaving. I mean, he could take Adam Peters, and Adam Peters would be his GM, his version of John Lynch. He certainly would probably take one of the Mikes, Mike LaFleur or Mike McDaniel to be the offensive coordinator, which means that the 49ers' biggest competition for all these guys that we're talking about, Juszczyk, Kwan Williams, Akello Witherspoon, etc., etc., is going to be Robert Sala. He's going to be the enemy in just a couple of months if this all happens the way we think they are. So it's all shaping up to be a very interesting offseason. I've heard that Shanahan and Sala are already talking about these things. I mean, from the the coaches that he's going to steal to the players to this that and the other so this little battle this little chess match has been happening for several weeks now and it promises to extend several months into the offseason you know what I'm hearing is if Sala is hired I, I guess the 49ers get a later draft pick like a third round draft pick or something and I just think that this is how this team is going to be kind of rebuilt or or some of the holes kind of filled is is through the draft people are, are talking now about you know where the where the Fortnite is going to pick what's the draft I think it's it doesn't matter I think it's it, what matters is your front office and as you go out and you evaluate some of these players and if you have a lot of picks I think you can take care of some of these these things that you need and on this team fill some of these holes or these question marks I think there's there's outside pass rushers come out of college even the quarterback the quarterback room I think now with CJ it's interesting 
Uh, I wonder, you know, do you do you bring back a CJ? Everyone kind of believes that Kyle Shanahan believes in, in Jimmy Garoppolo, and he will be back as a starting quarterback. The question is, can he stay uh, healthy? Can he stay on the football field? Is Josh Rosen, is he the guy? Is he the future quarterback? He's younger, but he's had some injuries uh, in his career, and he's had some inconsistencies. Is he the guy? So I think, you know, with some of these draft picks that the 49ers have kind of collected, uh, I think draft day is going to be huge, and it's going to start with that front office and how they go out and how they scout these guys and how they recruit these guys and who they sit down. And if they can bring some guys in, if you can get lucky, and, and the draft is all about luck. I mean, a Nick Bosa comes around once in, what, 10, 10, 20 years. If you can get some guys later in the rounds, some George Kittles, some Colt McKivitts, uh, those kind of guys that can help your team out, I think is going to be important. Well, we have one more week, and then it's fully into that offseason mode for the 49ers. And obviously we're in a hybrid kind of thing right now, trying to evaluate who might leave, who might stay, and, and see if the 49ers can still win another game. That's against Seattle in Week 17. We'll be played in Arizona, though. So We've finished 2020 as far as games go. I just realized that as weird as 2020 has been, the first game of 2021 for the 49ers is going to be in Arizona against their division rival, Seattle. So about as strange as it can get this year, but uh, we'll just keep on keeping on. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you this week ahead of 49ers Seahawks on Here's the Catch, your 49ers podcast.